Welcome to the Popcorn Talk Network. For the online broadcast network that features movie discussion, news, and interviews, press one. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. From the Popcorn Talk Network, the online broadcast network for movie talk, Alicia Malone with Scott Movie Mance and the Schmoes Know, this is Profile. In-depth spotlights on the greatest filmmakers and artists in motion picture history. Hello, Hello profilers, and a happy new year. We are back with our first episode of Profiles yes. for 2015, and boy, have we got a doozy for you. We sure do. Our first Profiles for this year is Tim, Tim Burton. Burton. Not only are we profiling Tim Burton, yeah. but right before we broke for the holidays, we sat down to interview the man himself, and so we cool. are going to roll that for you later in the show. Yeah. They set it up just for us. I know. They, they changed the profiles. lighting. They yep. added in the, another chair, and he was so lovely, too. He was great. So I can't wait for everyone to see that. A big shout out to everyone who is watching live right now on YouTube, and if you're listening to this on iTunes later on, you can watch this show live. It will be live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. LA time, and I'm keeping an eye on the comments here. Hi to Ken Knapsack. Who's Hi Ken. Live. What's up, Pit Boss? And I'll try to uh, read some of the best ones as we go. But what is it about Tim Burton? I mean, he's a very distinct filmmaker, isn't he? Very distinct. Uh, here's a filmmaker who, for 30 years now, exactly 30 years, he made his directorial debut for a feature film with 1985's Pee Wee's Big Adventure. <laughs> and when you think about Tim Burton, you think about films that are dark, gothic, gothic, kind of funny. Fantasy. Very moving. Yeah. Unexpectedly moving. Really be- beautiful to look at. Very quirky. And there's also like, like a play- there's like a playfulness to them too. Childlike. Childlike. And, and the, the, the lot of the protagonists are, are sort of social Outsiders. misfits. Yeah. Out- outcasts. But they, these are, there's no one like him. There really isn't. There really isn't. And that's why his films get described as Burton-esque. Burton-esque, yes. And no one can really do it like Burton. You know, he's had a career for over 30 years. He's made 17 movies. He's had some ups. He's had some downs. But his ups have been so strong. And that's why he's really good directed to profile on our show. Well, he's also a filmmaker who's worked with a lot of the same people over and over and over Johnny again. Johnny Depp. Obviously Johnny Depp eight times. Danny Elfman. Danny Elfman 15 times. Wow. Colleen Atwood, costume designer, 10 times. Yeah. And when all these people are working at the top of their game, the result is brilliance, as mm-hmm. we'll find out on today's show. So he had a wonderful life, you could yes, say. Yes, he did. <laughs> that brings us to our segment called It's a Wonderful Life. Let's roll the video. I can. <laughs> <laughs> Timothy Walter Burton was born on August 25, 1958 in Burbank, California. His mother, Jean, owned a cat-themed gift shop, and his father, Bill, was a former minor league baseball player who later went on to work for the Burbank Parks and Recreation Department. Burton found solace from his reclusive childhood drawing cartoons and watching old movies. He studied character animation at the California Institute for the Arts, where his short film, Stock of the Celery Monster, attracted the attention of Walt Disney's animation department. After graduating CalArts in 1979, he went to work for Disney full-time as an animator and a storyboard artist on feature films like The Fox and the Hound and The Black Cauldron. But Burton longed to direct his own projects, and after his 1984 live-action short Frankenweenie caught the attention of actor Paul Rubens, a.k.a. Pee Wee Herman, another CalArts alumni, Burton was selected by Rubens to make his feature directorial debut with 1985's Pee Wee's Big Adventure. The film was a hit, I know you are, but what am I, costing just $8 million to make and grossing more than $40 million at the box office. With his even more successful follow-up film, 1988's Beetlejuice, Burton solidified his reputation as a writer, producer, and director whose gothic, offbeat, and stylish films were also loads of fun, entertaining, and big-hearted. Tim Burton has two children and has been nominated for two Academy Awards, both of them for Best Animated Feature. Paul Ken was sick while he was doing that, but he still did it for us. He, Ken, you know, I know you are, but what am I? Very, (laughs) very good, buddy boy. And I just want to give a shout out to Matt Wright, who is watching for the first time from the UK live, first time live. He's a profiler. He's watching from London near the O2 Arena. Hey, Matt. Oh, hey, Matt. What's up? Cheers, brother. Yes. Well, uh, 
Firstly, let's get into our um, our first blood, the the first Tim Burton movie that we saw. What was yours? Uh, mine was Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Yeah, I think I saw Beetlejuice. It was on VHS, uh, not in cinema because I was young. Uh, I thought it was really scary when I first saw it. It's quite morbid when you think about it. Everybody dies. It's all about the afterlife and ghosts. So I think I was a little terrified of it. At the same time, I loved Michael Keaton. I just thought he was quite funny. He's great. He's dark but funny. And then I think it was... Edward Scissorhands, where I really realized who Tim Burton was. Right. But my first one was Beetlejuice. What did about you, you? Did you see Did you see uh, Edward Scissorhands in the theater, or was it on VHS? Uh, I think that was on VHS, too. I, I wasn't allowed to go to the theater very much <laughs> when I was young, so I didn't see that one in theater. Yeah, I saw it on VHS, and that really stuck with me. Mine was Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Which I've never seen. Okay, Alicia, you I have to I don't think Pee-wee was very big in Australia. Maybe people can tell me if that's true or not. Even if you don't like Pee-wee Herman or if you don't know anything about Pee-wee Herman. I mean, I didn't when I saw the movie. And yeah. I thought it was hilarious. I saw it eight times in the theater that summer. It came eight out times? Eight times because... Because I used to be able to do a mean Pee Wee Herman imitation. Okay, do Uh, it. Okay, uh, this is the same exact pen I bought the night my bike was stolen. Why? What's the significance? I don't know. (laughs) All right, I know you are, but what am I? Oh my gosh, that's awesome. (laughs) But you know the tequila dance. uh, The (laughs) eighth time I saw it. Okay, when you see it, you will know what the tequila dance is. All right, I will watch it. But I got kicked out of the movie theater for doing the tequila dance. (laughs) The, 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 the payoff of the story is when I went to my 25-year high school reunion in mm-hmm. 2011, people still called me Pee-wee. Oh, that's so great. <laughs> I don't know if I like being called Pee-wee. <laughs> no, but you do it really well. From the little I've seen of Pee-wee, you do it really well. Well, Pee-wee Herman didn't quite make our Fast Five, but let's see what did at Fast Five. Number five is... We come in peace. We come in peace. We come in peace. Mars attacks, or I know that people will say, "Why are you putting Mars attacks in Fast Five?" And what about all the other great movies like that he's Big done, Fish. like Big Fish? Yeah, I know, and I do admit to liking Mars attacks much better when I saw it the first time than rewatching it recently, but. I think it is really important to have in our Fast Five because no one else could have made this movie but Tim Burton. Who else would be able to make a B sci-fi throwback to the 50s with an A-list cast? With tongue planted firmly in cheek. It's a movie that does not take itself seriously. And it was a complete flip side to Independence Day. That's why I liked it. Right, the smash hit that came out five months before. But I'm with you. I thought this was a great tribute uh, a homage to the 50s cheesy sci-fi movies it's based on the 1962 tops trading card series a 52 card set that was actually banned and taken out of production for a little while because the images of the martians and the people dying was so graphic for 1962 it was a big deal so those cards became instant collector's items of course tim burton had them this movie came out december 13th 1996 it cost 80 million dollars to make worldwide box office was just over a hundred million it was nominated for one mtv movie award (laughs) (laughs) best fight scene between jim brown and a martian that is so funny well i forgot when i was watching it again how many people are in the movie of course i knew you know sarah jessica parker jack nicholson michael j fox pierce brosnan annette benning but then you've got glenn close martin short even jack black and christina applegate in these small roles, it just shows you that people were really willing to do anything for Tim Burton. I mean, who else could get away with putting Sarah Jessica Parker's head on a chihuahua's body? By the way, those scenes were a little disturbing, like when they beheaded uh, Pierce Brosnan too. <laughs> I mean, and it, they kissed at the end, and it's so romantic. But that's Tim Two Burton. Heads. He really hit the nail on the head with what he was going for. It was like an Ed Wood homage. It was right? like if Ed Wood could have directed Mars Attacks. <laughs> yeah, this is what it would look like. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I'm with you, like. When I watched it again, it was like not as good as I remembered it being, but I still liked it a lot. And let's find out what some of our profiler friends had to say about Mars Attacks. And well, what do you know? Nothing. No love for Mars Attacks. No one likes Mars Attacks. No one had anything to say about Mars Attacks. Are they saying anything live? Yeah. 
No. Not so much, right? Ken Napsok says, Miles Attacks is one of Jack Black's best performances. <laughs> Way to go, Ken. Gamer Jamie One says, The Miles Attacks cast is insane. So many great actors in that movie. And Rachel Cushing says, Disturbing is what Burton does. It's yeah, true. Yeah, it's true. It's he true. Is, but also this movie, uh, it, it, Sid, Sylvia Sidney, mm-hmm. who plays the grandmother, is hilarious. Oh, she's funny. And when she turns on Slim Whitman. Yeah. Oh, it yeah. is. And that, that's what kills the Martians. And Tom Jones, too. It was so damn funny. Tom Jones, it's not unusual, which I realized appears in both Mars Attacks and in Edward Scissorhands when I was rewatching all the five. Oh, right. That's yeah, right. Yeah, so yeah, he yeah. must be a big Tom Jones fan. Definitely is a big Tom Jones fan. Well, okay, so no love for Mars Attacks. Yeah, no love. But when it comes to your favorite scene in a Tim Burton movie, mm. what is your right stuff? Well, I was almost going to go for the ice dance scene in Edward Scissorhands when he makes it snow. And right. Know, right. It spins around. It's so beautiful. But I decided to go with one that I really love, and that's from Edward, which is my personal favorite of yeah. the Tim Burton movies. And it's the premiere scene, or the premiere scene, as you guys would say, <laughs> for Bride of the Monster. Then it's when they, they arrive late and then they all walk into the cinema and everyone's going nuts. The usher says they're tearing the place apart in there. There's popcorn being thrown. It's a huge ruckus. Someone grabs Vampira's boobs. All right. Um, and it's just so crazy. And it's it's one of these really surreal moments that you know didn't exactly happen in real life, but this was how it appeared through Edward's eyes. And then when they run out and then Patricia Arquette jumps on the taxi, they finally get a taxi and then... And Martin Landau playing Bella Lugosi says, now that's, that's a, a premiere. premiere. I like that. I like it too. You know what? Ed Wood is also my personal favorite movie uh, of Tim Burton's. Now, people are going to say, well, if it's your personal favorite, mm-hmm. why isn't it your number one movie? Mm. Uh, no, I'm giving away the, the, the beans here. Don't give it away. But I think we should clarify that just because a movie is our personal favorite, it doesn't it, mean it's the best. It doesn't mean it's the best because there are other factors that go into it. Yeah. Obviously, box office, maybe reviews, and just maybe because it's it's more broad. Mm. You know, I think a movie like Ed Wood, uh, because it didn't do so well, but people who love Hollywood and mm. love movie making love mm. it. But anyway, my favorite scene is also from Ed Wood, and it's really, really short. Okay. But can you guess what scene it is? Um, I was going to say in the, the haunted house. Okay, that's a good scene. I like that. Uh, I love that scene actually, but that's not my favorite. My favorite scene is when Ed Wood meets the man Orson Welles. Oh yeah, yeah, that is a good scene. Vincent D'Onofrio. Well, his voice was overdubbed, different voice, right? But he looked just like him. He really did, and it's so fun to see the the world's best director of the time with the world's worst director of the time, but they both share the same creative passion. And also, just as as an honorable mention for my favorite scene in a Tim Burton movie, at the end of Big Fish, when the son realizes that his dad was telling the truth and and everybody shows up for the funeral. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was so moving, and it's just such a great, it's a great payoff for a movie that's really about relationships and about fathers and sons exactly but anyway well you could say that tim burton is definitely a director who loves the details oh he definitely is that's my segue that's your segue too for the last last detail detail. where we tell each other little known facts things that you might know or you might not know hit me up so did you know that the casting of michael keaton as batman was so controversial that fans wrote 50,000 letters to Warner Brothers to complain. 50,000? They didn't send emails? Oh, this was 1989. This is a little, yeah, before a little before emails. social media, before emails. People were 50, outraged. 50,000 outraged. You think Ben Affleck can, uh, can, can relate? <laughs> he got millions of tweets. Millions of tweets. <laughs> you think he called, you think Ben Affleck called up Michael Keaton like, and was how like, did you do it? dude, how did you deal with this? My well, my, says, mine is I'm Batman. also from Batman. Did you know that Robin Williams was originally offered well he wasn't originally offered the part of the joker in the first batman yeah but he was offered the part of the joker when jack nicholson got uh got the cold feet but the problem was was that warner brothers used robin williams as bait to get jack nicholson to commit so robin williams was so pissed off as he should be that when he was offered the part of the riddler for batman forever a few years later he turned it down and he actually didn't make a movie for warner brothers for years until warner brothers apologized wow 
And also good that he wasn't in Batman Forever. Yeah. Yeah. Batman Forever was okay. It was Batman and Robin that sucked. No, Batman Forever was... Mm, oh, you didn't like that one either. Nah. Okay. Here's another detail about Batman. Uh, the bat suit involved 28 models, 25 capes, and six cowls. And the cowl was attached to the cape. So that's what led to the term the bat turn. <laughs> the bat turn. Uh, Michael yeah. Keaton couldn't actually move his neck without moving his whole body. So it would be hard to to save anyone when you're like that. Apparently that was the same with George Clooney. He he laughs that they had to kind of wheel him out and he'd be like, I'm Batman and mm. then wheel him back and he couldn't do anything in that suit. So when Christian Bale came time to play when it came time for him to yeah, play I Batman, he's they, like they I need to out. turn my head, man. I know, otherwise it's like the dramatic chipmunk. It's like <laughs> Yeah, the dramatic turn, the dramatic back turn. Well, did you know who no. made her feature film debut? In 2003's Big Fish. You'll never guess who it is. I couldn't believe it when I read it. I actually like did some more research on it because I'm like, there's no way that this person made their debut in a Tim Burton film, Big Fish, Miley Cyrus. What? Miley Cyrus played Ruthie at age eight in Big Fish. Pre-twerking Miley Cyrus. Pre-twerking Miley Cyrus. Oh my gosh, that word. (laughs) I hate that word. All right, what else you got? (laughs) That's all I got, but I'm going to look at some, uh, some little comments uh, people laughing about <laughs> Batman Forever was terrible. Yeah, I think so too. Um, and Batman Returns, not sure about the execution. Yeah, in Batman, Batman Returns, Returns wasn't great. That right. Yeah. Um, let's keep going then. Let's keep shall going we? then. Wait, one because, more bit of trivia. Because oh, I don't have any others. One more bit of trivia for you, my friend. So in Mars Attacks, yeah. In Mars Attacks, Warren Beatty was supposed to play the president, but he got cold feet. Paul Newman was cast. Ah. Oh. But then he didn't take it, so Jack Nicholson took it. And then but, Jack did two roles. And he played two roles. Also yeah. cast, uh, originally considered for the part of the First Lady before going close, Meryl Streep and Diane Keaton. Wow. There you go, Miss There Malone. you go. I did not know that. But let's keep going with our the Fast, fast five, five. Number four is... I'm Batman. Of course. I'm Batman. I'm Batman. Batman. 1989, June 23rd. Movie is a little more than 25 years old. I got to tell you, this holds up great. It holds up so great that if you look at the modern superhero movies today, Mm. Batman could have come out today and it would fit right at home. It doesn't look, it doesn't look dated like the old the Superman movies. No, it doesn't. I think this was a film that really reinvented the superhero movie because before this there was Superman which was all very optimistic and very much of its time. Very much. You rewatch oh, yeah. Superman now, you can definitely tell it was made back then. But Batman, it's got this really dark tone to it and true to Burton's form, he focused more on Batman and Bruce Wayne being the outsider, the outcast rather than the typical hero. And actually Tim Burton Burton says about the casting of Michael Keaton because he of course he was known as a comedic actor and that's why people were upset about the casting but he says he doesn't look like a superhero and that was the point he looks like a guy who would need to dress up like a bat for effect I well, agree with that I definitely agree with that and Tim Burton actually referred to this movie as the complete duel of the freaks <laughs> uh, and Burton himself was inspired by seminal Batman comics like The Killing Joke and The Dark Knight Returns Dark Knight Returns and it looks like the production design is beautiful there's so much detail oh, to beautiful. it beautiful gorgeous it dark. doesn't look like it's set in the real world it definitely looks like a comic book and maybe just because I just watched Blade Runner recently for the 50,000th yeah. time it does have a little bit of that look as well Gotham yep. City looked a little bit like LA in 2019 it's less Without all the rain. (laughs) All right, right, come on, we're back. Same person. But this was the highest grossing movie of 1989. It made $251 million domestically, $411 million worldwide. It won one Academy Award, the only award it was nominated for. Best Art and Set Direction. Mm -hmm. It was nominated for a Golden Globe. Best Actor in a Musical Comedy, Jack Nicholson. Love that Joker. Oh, he's so great. He's so over the top. It's, so it's definitely a lot campier than the Christopher Nolan movie. Oh, you kidding? <laughs> but you know, that's right actually now. the brilliance of Nolan's Dark Knight. Yeah. Because his Heath Ledger as the Joker was completely different from Jack Nicholson. He had to be different he because be. Jack yeah. Nicholson was so iconic. Well, before Tim Burton came on, he was just 29 years old, by the way, when he directed this movie. 
Tim Burton? Tim Burton was 29. No way. I didn't so crazy. That. But before crazy. he came on board, they were considering Joe Dante, who did Gremlins, and Ivan Reitman from Ghostbusters. They were both attached, but then they left. The only thing I think that really dates this movie is the uh, the Prince song. Well, the songs, yeah. <laughs> the Prince soundtrack. The, the soundtrack, the score by Danny Elfman is great, but the soundtrack by soundtrack. Prince. Yeah, I, I agree. One one thing I want to say is in, t- in terms of Tim Burton's blockbusters, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously a movie like Alice in Wonderland is his most successful. That made more than a billion dollars worldwide. Commercially successful, yeah. Commercially successful. But I think in terms of fully realized blockbusters, Batman is the one. It's, mm. it's not his best film overall, no. but in terms of the big studio blockbuster type movies yeah it is the most fully realized and his best it was him coming on board with a studio film and making it his own my question to you mr matt yes is a question that was posed in neighbors with seth rogan and zach efron who is your batman who is and, my and batman? maybe who is your batman and who is your bruce wayne are you Christian Bale Batman? Are you Michael Keaton Batman? Well, I would say that, you know, I give it, I've given that a lot of thought. <laughs> I've given that a lot of thought. It's important important stuff. Important stuff. And by the way, that was a question I was going to ask you as well. Oh. Right at the top of, of my list here. Of um, I would say that my Batman is Nolan's, but yep. my Bruce Wayne is Burton's. Same as me. Yes. Because Why? Okay, well, Christian Bale, I think he definitely embodies that Batman, that hero. I can imagine him saving lives more than I can Michael Keaton. But Michael Keaton plays the outcast really well. And and I like the way that was focused here about Bruce Wayne just being this weird guy in a mansion. Because you have to be pretty weird to do all this stuff. (laughs) I love, of course, Nolan's Bruce Wayne, how he grounded him in reality. But to me, I grew up watching Michael Keaton. So that's why I think of him as Bruce Wayne. But I never quite bought him as... As, as the Batman flying around. Okay, follow-up question for you then. Uh-oh. Who is your Joker? Is it oh. Is it Jack Nicholson or is it Heath Ledger? That's so hard, That's isn't it? That's a hard one, yeah. They're I would both have to great. say it's Heath Ledger now. Why? Because he was so terrifying and so realistic. He was told th- th- exactly how I feel. And because the, the Batman movie from 1989... Is it felt like a comic book movie, and the Joker got his powers, so to speak, by falling into the acid, and with a smile. Love that Joker. (laughs) But the thing about the Dark Knight from 2008 is that neither Batman nor the Joker had superpowers. They were Mm. they were both sociopaths. The only difference is that Batman was on our side. Yeah. But they, you, you saw more, I think, in The Dark Knight that Batman and the Joker really needed each other. Yeah, exactly. But we're I digressing. We're, we're getting off topic. Uh, but the, maybe people can uh, weigh in and tell us who they think is their ba- Batman, their personal Batman, their personal Bruce Wayne. But the, uh, the interesting thing to note about Jack Nicholson is not only did he get a percentage of the box office, he also got a percentage of the merchandise sales. Wow. And Batman created more than $750 million in merchandise sales just from the movie that summer. So we have Burton to thank so, yes, we, everything that comes after it. But everything that's come after that and the only other movie I'd seen that had created such a, a, merchandise, a merchandising bonanza Star Wars. was Star Wars. Yeah, mm-hmm. and maybe Planet of the Apes from the 70s which is before your time <laughs> but not mine. Well, let's see what Schmoville and our profilers have to say about Batman. Seb Lacey. Hi, Seb. Hi, Seb. Says, Tim Burton's Batman is one of my favorite films. I remember watching it at the drive-in as a kid. How cool would that be? That'd be awesome. There are so many great things about this movie. The dark atmosphere, Danny Elfman's gothic score, Jack Nicholson's over-the-top Joker, and the inspired casting of Michael Keaton as Batman. Burton really (laughs) did set the standard for comic book movies, which is still being felt today in today's comic book movies. On a personal side note, this movie is the one that ignited my passion for comics and movies. How cool. How cool, Seb. Well, Danny Birdsall says, Tim Burton's Batman dip with no other superhero movie had ever done or has done since. Interesting. It proved it's possible to be both dark and mature, but also have an over-the-top nature. The music score by Danny Elfman is a masterpiece and is the best Batman score ever made. Michael Keaton is perfect as Batman. People may have complained about the casting at first, but that's what makes him so perfect because, Alicia Malone, you should never suspect that Bruce Wayne could ever be Batman. Well said, Danny. Well said. 
there, Danny. Well, Rachel Cushing has weighed in on the YouTube live chat. She says, I actually like Christian Bale's Bruce Wayne. He had the duality down a little better, the Playboy outcast. And then several people saying that, uh, that Mark Hamill is their Joker. Oh, there you go. Right. <laughs> yeah. Go, Mark he Hamill. Did the voice, right? In one of them. Um, and Joseph Heisenberg, I lost your thing, said that, uh, Ledger said if Burton was directing, he wouldn't be the Joker because he loved Nicholson so much. Well, the other thing about uh, about uh, Ledger is is just how I mean, he just got so in character. I mean, just watching that movie, I, I mean, you're right. His Joker was, was scary. Mm. I was scared of him. But anyway. Anyway. There you go. Now let's move on to our big picture segment. That's when we talk about our favorite posters. Tim Burton is a very visual director, and that includes... The His posters. one sheets, yes. <laughs> so let's take a look at the big picture. Hey, Ken. The one sheet for Tim Burton's latest movie, Big Eyes, is also one of his best. And if you'll pardon the expression, it paints an accurate depiction of its story. Artist Margaret Keane, played by Amy Adams, holds up a picture of one of her famous paintings. But it's Walter Keane, played with scene-chewing gusto by Christoph Waltz, who holds the cards here. Just like he controlled Margaret's life for more than a decade. But back to 1988 for Beetlejuice, the film and the one sheet that represented Burton and some might say Michael Keaton at the top of his manic, twisted, fun, macabre game. We hear a sequel is in the works. Maybe if you say his name three times, he'll make it. Burton, Burton, Burton. And then there's 1993's The Nightmare Before Christmas, produced by Burton and directed by Henry Selleck. Dark, stylish, imaginative, heartfelt, and with beautiful music became an instant classic for not just one holiday, but two, Halloween and Christmas. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. And Way to go. Thanks for, like, you know, batting in and hitting a home run when you weren't feeling well, buddy boy. I know. And he said, oh, Batman was the event movie of that summer. The anticipation sitting in the theater was palpable. Totally. I can imagine. And Joseph Heisman says, Alicia says my YouTube name. Yay. Great. There you go. Hi. Hi, everyone watching live. Hi, everyone watching live. Make sure you tune in every, every Tuesday, Tuesday at 3, 3 p.m. LA time, time, Pacific time. And we interrupt this profiles to bring an important, important message. <laughs> Please. Very, very important to do a few things for us. A. Go to our Facebook page, Profiles with Malone and Mance. Like our Facebook page because not only do we love when you like our Facebook page, yeah. but you get to join in in all the fun with, with taking part in our brackets. So much fun. It's so much fun and chiming in on what movies you love and why. As you can see, we read your comments on the air. Yeah. Also, please go to iTunes. Rate and review us on iTunes. Very, very important. These ratings and reviews are what keep Profiles alive what keep all the schmoes shows alive yes. like jedi alliance and meet the movie press but make sure you rate and review profiles exactly. and also go to youtube yeah subscribe to youtube.com slash popcorn talk network and that's when you can find you can find all the shows there and including our live stream every week every so if week. you want to be a part of all this action make sure you go there and subscribe now that we get brings to us to quiz show quiz show which i'm not good at time for us to test each other's knowledge okay. of trivial moments of Tim Burton. Films. Okay. All right. You want to go first? Yes. Okay. All right. Who did Tim Burton initially want to cast <laughs> as Beetlejuice? I think you know this one, but just humor me. Okay. A. Tom Jones. Tom Jones. Would okay. Be. Tom Jones could B, be a good Beetlejuice. Sammy Davis Jr. Ooh, interesting choice. Or C, Michael Jackson. What? What? Well, those are very diverse choices. <laughs> I know. Who among those three did Tim Burton originally want to cast as Beetlejuice? I'll tell you, was it... No, it wasn't Michael Jackson. Um, no, Tom, maybe Tom <laughs> Jones, maybe? It. Okay, was it Sammy Davis Jr.? <laughs> yes! The Candyman can! I know you know yes, that one. Yes, Thanks for uh, doing that Thanks for me. playing along, Alicia Malone. Well, this one's a little harder. <laughs> okay. In Mars Attacks. Yes. What was the name of Grandma's dead cat? Oh, I've no idea. Was it wait? Was it Fluffy? Was it Muffy? Was it Whiskers? Or was it Toonses? I'd say. I'm uh, gonna say again: Fluffy, Muffy, Whiskers, Toonses. I would say Fluffy. 
Oh, it's Muffy. Oh, Muffy, babe. But Toontz's is the name of my dead cat, so there you go. I'm doing the Steve Martin King Tut dance for anyone who knows that. (laughs) That's impressive that you know that. That's also before your time. (laughs) All right, let's keep going with our Fast Five. Coming number number three three is... (laughs) Wait for it. Beetlejuice. Yeah! Showtime. Beetlejuice. We love Beetlejuice. Released March 30th, 1988. Won one Oscar. The only one it was nominated for. Best Makeup. Of course, it had to be Best Makeup. Cost $15 million to make. Box office, $73 million domestic, which in 1988 was a lot of money. Showtime, indeed. I feel like Beetlejuice is Tim Burton hitting his stride. Mm. All of the signature moments. We talked about Beetlejuice a little bit before, but you know the the scary aspect of it, mm-hmm. the quirky, the playfulness. It's yeah, the moving, the gothic horror overtone set in suburbia. It's funny. It's funny. And Alec Baldwin is really thin. He is. <laughs> he so is. I him. love seeing Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis together. Of course, they die straight away. Yeah. It's very morbid. But it is quite funny, too. And I definitely appreciated it watching it again yeah. just last week. I, I realized how special it is and how it's a film that would not get made today because it's so insane. It really is insane. I mean, just the scene in the waiting room. <laughs> I love the scene that the, the little guy, the little guy head. with the little shrunken head. And just like, you know, it's like, look at <laughs> And you're like, I just remember when I was watching that movie for the first time, I was laughing my ass off yeah. at the little hunter with the shrunken head. Hey, Michael Keaton is so brilliant in that role. He He's kind of, he's trapped, but at the same time, he's free as a character because he's so horrible. He can do whatever he likes and, and people expect that of him. And he's so iconic, isn't he, with the, with the stripy suit? Well, this was a movie that was supposed to be much, much darker. But yeah. it obviously lightened up for, in all the right ways. Michael Keaton is only in 17 and a half minutes out of the 92-minute running time. Wow. And he only filmed for two weeks. Wow. Yet, to this day, it is one of his favorite roles, probably not including Birdman. Yeah. Which is an amazing role. And one of his most iconic roles, <laughs> Definitely, too. Definitely, sure, yeah. Winona Ryder, also, she was so sweet, she was so young, and she kind of plays the outcast in this movie. It's very much about parents and kids. I also like what it said about art and critics and, and people criticizing art, repression. I think that's quite personal for Burton, who grew up, I think, feeling like he was a bit of an outcast and feeling like throughout his career that he's been criticized for his art. Well, to be criticized by Pauline Kael, who is one of the most influential film critics of all time, to get the seal of approval from Pauline Kael, who referred to Beetlejuice as a comedy classic, that must have felt really, really good. <laughs> but I'll tell you, every time I hear Deo, oh, yeah. I think of Beetlejuice. Deo. And when the actor, Glenn Shadix, who played Otto, yep. when he passed away in 2010, the last song that they played at his funeral was Deo. Oh, wow. So I uh, hopefully he has a sense of humor in the afterlife. <laughs> but still uh, come and haunt them in some sheets. Going, a lot of great com- Oh, it's so funny. So funny. And I love the puppet monsters as well. The special effects are really great. The production design, very much Tim Burton. Very Tim Burton. Everything about it, it's, it's really a gem of a movie. And, and it's one that, you know, we grew up watching. So you kind of, you forget about it and then you rewatch it when you're older. And then you realize just how special it was. And you realize how great it is too and how it holds how up well made. and like you said how it, it would not have been made today mm-hmm. but Thalor Mendoza hello Thalor of all the weird and bizarre Beetlejuice has to be my favorite Tim Burton made a film about two people going through death and the afterlife really enjoyable and funny <laughs> fantastic performance by Gina Davis Al Baldwin and of course Michael Keaton the creativity the practical effects and the amazing humor makes something awful as death be fun. Thanks, guys. And don't say Beetlejuice too much. <laughs> <laughs> the people on the live stream are trying to guess uh, who we have as number one and number two now. If what Beetlejuice is number they three, they're like, is it Big Fish? Mm. Is it going to be Ed Wood? Is it going to be Sweeney Todd or Planet of the Apes? It's not going to be Planet of the Apes. <laughs> that we can tell you. <laughs> Mark Tordai. Hi, Mark. Hi, Mark. He says, although it was Ron Howard's night shift that gave Michael Keaton his big break, it wasn't until a few years later with Beetlejuice that audiences really saw what kind of range Keaton had as an actor. True. Tim Burton created a dark, haunting, and highly irreverent world. He was also able to give Winona Ryder one of her early breakout roles. From the comic book style, horror-esque production design, to the small moments of stop-motion animation – 
Beetlejuice is a unique and risky film. It is a risky film. It was very risky at the time, and it's still. You watch it now, and you just go, "How how did they get away with that?" But mm. audiences got it because it made so much money, and now there's talks of a sequel. Yeah, would you like mm. to see that? I don't know. I <sighs> I don't know. I yeah. mean, part of me does. Part what of me doesn't. What if it's not good? If it's not good, then well, then it's, yeah, we'll always have shame. Paris. But we're going to be talking about Beetlejuice with our player segment, where Which we talk right about now. our favorite characters. So, what did you love about the character of Beetlejuice? He was just wacky. He just said whatever was on his mind. Anything goes. I mean, when Michael Keaton came on the screen. Not that I wasn't enjoying the film before that point, mm-hmm. but it just came to life. Yeah. Like he just grabbed, just like his character, he grabbed the role by the balls. <laughs> yeah, he did. And I think when you're a kid watching this movie, you wish you could say the kind of stuff that Beetlejuice does. And a lot of the things that he did was totally improvised and off the cuff. Mm-hmm. But who else do you got? Well, we talked about the Joker the already, Joker, Jack yes. Nicholson's Joker. So iconic. It was unlike any movie villain I think I'd seen or any comic book movie villain, that's for sure. Uh, so creepy, but also really funny. And as we were saying, very campy when you look back. Well, it what works. about well? Now you have to go back and you have to watch Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Yeah, trust me. If you love Tim Burton, you will love this movie. And why do you love Pee Wee? Why did you love him uh, when you were young? I could imitate him. <laughs> I had really short hair for a little bit when I was in high school, <laughs> yeah. and I wore like a little a little you know suit. I dressed up as Pee Wee Herman for Halloween one time. Mm-hmm. But Pee Wee was a sweet guy. He just wanted to find his bike, which he was told was in the basement at the Alamo. Just watch the movie; okay. it'll all make sense. I will watch. It. I love Ed Wood as well for a similar reason that you like Pee Wee Herman. He's such a nice guy yeah. as portrayed in the movie. <laughs> very optimistic. He He's very passionate about his movies and he'll do anything to get a movie made. And I think that that takes a lot in Hollywood. So you watch him played by Johnny Depp and, and you really root for him. Well, you also root for Jack Skellington from The Nightmare Before Christmas, a mm-hmm. movie that Burton produced but did not direct. Uh, it was, it was, uh, just a little, little Jack Skellington yeah. and a little bit of uh, Edward, Edward Scissorhands. Nice. Two great Burton characters there. But uh, but this was a character. It was a great movie. It was an instant classic, not just for Halloween, but for Christmas as well. Mm-hmm. And it was just a beautiful love story. And the music was fantastic. And it's just watching the stop motion animation directed by Henry Selleck. Yeah. It's just a lovely, wonderful film. That's a movie that I forget Tim Burton didn't direct himself. It feels like he directed it, doesn't it? It feels exactly like he directed it. Especially when you watch Corpse Bride. Yeah. I mean, that's sort of like a sequel of sorts. Yeah. And and then Frank and Weenie because of the stop motion. Exactly. Yeah, but I mean, Nightmare Before Christmas is an absolute classic. Well, over on our Profiles with Malone and Mance Facebook page, they've been having these great brackets. Yes. So this week they did Favorite Tim Burton Film. It got down to Final Four, which was Beetlejuice versus Edward and Batman versus Edward Scissorhands came down to the final two of Batman versus Beetlejuice. Can you guess who won? Let's say Batman. Batman! Batman won. Well, it's Michael won. Keaton versus Michael Keaton. I know. So he won either way. Won either way. Damn. But yeah, <laughs> wow. Batman is the favorite film according to our profiles. And again, just go to our Facebook page if you want to take part in all that. Go to our Facebook page anyway. <laughs> it's Profiles with Malone and Mance. Go there, like it, join in on the fun. I think Scott Mance could sell anything you can sell snow to eskimo here's what you got to do okay right now on our facebook page i think we're like 1966 (gasps) likes by the end of this broadcast i challenge all the profilers watching live to get to 2000 bring us to 2000 bring us over 2000 profilers Mm. share our facebook page with all of your facebook friends tell them Boy, you don't know what you're missing. This is the best podcast ever about movies, and it is. exactly. We love doing it. We just want to keep doing this every week. So please like our page, subscribe to Profiles on <laughs> iTunes, and subscribe to us on YouTube. And I'm enjoying reading all the live comments as we do this stream. Uh, Joseph Heisenberg, don't worry. I don't think you actually like Planet of the Apes. So <laughs> you're off the hook there. Oh, boy. Um, uh, Matthew Adams says, Edward is the best character. He was a cross-dressing imperfectionist, and he was a real guy. 
And Robbie Reed says, Edward is my favourite character, so innocent and so funny. And that segues nicely to our Fast Five number, number two, two, which is... I like to dress in women's clothing. Ah, uh, <laughs> Ed, Ed Wood! Released September 30th, 1994. This is Tim Burton's first R-rated movie. And also his lowest grossing film and his first commercial failure. I'm sure a lot of people will say, why are you putting this at number two? There's several reasons. This is my personal favorite. Mine too. Edward, yeah, yep. because it has a lot to say about Hollywood. I love how it talks about the delusion that is needed to get a film made. I love that it focuses on this Hollywood outsider, this outcast, this cross-dressing, schlocky, hacky film director, but he never lets go of his dream. He, and that's he, infectious. And he's nice about it too. He's ambitious, but he, he tries to do good things. He tries to do good things by Bela Lugosi. It's an interesting story, and even though the biopic is not 100% factual, as we said before, it's very surreal and it's optimistic. It's seen more through Ed Wood's eyes rather than what actually happened. It is so uplifting to watch, isn't it? It really is uplifting. In fact, it's so uplifting that that even though he is a horrible filmmaker, <laughs> yeah. he believes in himself so much that you believe in him too. Yeah, and it also takes a look at the 50s in Hollywood, which it's is so my favorite era. Yeah. I romanticize that era so much. So any movie that talks about the 50s, um, in or any movie from the fifties, really. it's it's a movie that 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 is one of the best movies ever made about Hollywood. Like you said, it was the lowest grossing movie of his career. Five point nine million dollars is all it made. It cost eighteen million to make, so it basically cost more to make than all of Edward D. Wood Jr.'s films combined. <laughs> oh, wow! Uh, but it, the, what I love about it too, like you said, it's so idealistic and optimistic. Tim Burton does not judge. Tim, he does not judge Edward. No, and I think he he feels an affinity with him. Not that, not that Tim Burton is a terrible director by any any means, but I think he he appreciates how Edward was really focused on getting his vision across and didn't want to bend to producers and everyone else who has to have, have their say, and also that he had a unique vision. That he was trying oh, to do different things, vision, no different things it. from everyone else. <laughs> and can you imagine trying to pitch this movie, Ed Wood, to the studios? Like, I want to make a biopic about the worst director ever. Oh, and in black and white. Wow. Even with it's a great a, cast. It's a miracle it got made. I know. But when you look at back in the early 90s and the late 80s, Tim Burton was at the top of his game. Mm. He was he really hit, hit he his was stride. Powerful. He was powerful. He had Beetlejuice. He had Batman. He had Edward Scissorhands. Yeah. So, and then you know, Batman Returns, which wasn't as good, but it still did make a lot of money. It was a successful film. And he mm -hmm. was going to direct the third Batman, but he just produced it. But Ed Wood was his passion project. Mm -hmm. It was his labor of love. And that love shows. And the interesting thing about Ed Wood is out of all the 17 movies that he directed, 15 of them were scored by Danny Elfman. This was not one of them. Yeah. The score for this movie was by Howard Shore. And it's a, it's perfect. Mm -hmm. It's a perfect score. It, but it does feel like a Danny Elfman score regardless of that. Mm. And it was written by screenwriters uh, Scott Alexander and Larry Karaszewski, who just worked with Tim Burton again recently on his latest Big movie, Eyes. Big Eyes. Yeah. And, and Big Eyes, I felt, why I liked it a lot, I felt like it was probably his best movie since Big Fish or even even Ed Wood. Yeah. I, I love Johnny Depp in, in this movie as well because people talk about now he goes all over the top with all the, the disguises. He always has to have something on his face. And here he had the, the fake teeth. Yeah. But he brought such humanity to this character. He made him so realistic. And then you have Bill Murray as Bunny. And I love Sarah Jessica Parker as well. It's uh, it's also probably the most adult film, or adult, as you guys say, <laughs> of Tim Burton's because it deals with sexuality. Definitely. And cross-dressing. And it won two Oscars, Best Makeup and Best Supporting Actor for Martin Landau. He's so good as Bela Lugosi. so good, Bela Lugosi. Watching this movie again, I was absolutely floored by how great Martin Landau was in this film. You know, I remembered liking him and being like, wow, he was really great in this film. But the perspective, I mean, this movie came out more than 20 years ago. I hadn't seen it in many, many years. Mm. And just, I, you know, I've been reviewing movies a lot. I, I watch movies differently. Mm -hmm. And rewatching all the films that we do as our research, which is the best part about doing profiles. <laughs> so uh, second best part about doing profiles is watching the movies. The first part is this. Oh, right here. So sweet. Talking to Alicia Malone about <laughs> movies. But, uh, but just 
just watching him again, especially that heart harrowing scene when he's going through the detox. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're really the just screams in the screaming. background. Yeah, yeah. Oof. Oh, it's 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 it, but it's such a moving relationship between between Edward. Yeah, I love and that Bella. he he really Edward really believes in Bella and wants to give him his comeback, even though he's a little misguided with the, the <laughs> films he makes. But I like that Bella trusts him too. Right. Well, it, they give him sort of a comeback of of sorts. Now our fave Liam Logrand. He wrote in about Edward. He said, Edward is my favorite Tim Burton film because as someone who loves and adores movies, I love the behind-the-scenes look at both filmmaking and classic Hollywood in general. Johnny Depp gives one of his best performances for it's both funny and sometimes touching... Oh, sorry, this is Tyler Myers. Sorry, I just skipped ahead. <laughs> and we're both funny and sometimes touching to see him continue on his career despite the negative reviews. Martin Landau is also brilliant as Bela Lugosi for he and Depp work off each other flawlessly. One of the best movies about making movies ever made. Tyler totally. Myers. Tyler Myers. You're so good. We agree, Tyler Myers. Definitely oh, one of the best movies ever made. comments all the time. And uh, as a fan this of... This one's of, from Liam. This one. Liam Logran, who's a great profiler and just a very cool Beatles fan. <laughs> yeah. Say that every week, don't I? Yeah. <laughs> uh, as a fan of classic Hollywood, it was interesting to see the filmmaking experience through the perspective of the worst director of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Depp gives the best performance of his career, providing commentary and drama when required to this diverse and layered character the rest of the supporting performances are also fantastic however two that stand out for me Martin Landau as Bela Lugosi Vincent D'Onofrio as Orson Welles they both perfectly capture the icon's personalities and characteristics it's definitely my favorite film about making films behind Sunset Boulevard way to yeah, go yeah I love movies that talk about making films oh, as well so great. As, a, as a film fan a film geek you love all that stuff. Now is our segment, The Others, where we're going to talk about some other movies which didn't quite make our Fast Five. One, of course, is Big Fish. Big Fish. Now, Big Fish is a, is a fairy tale, and it's a moving fairy tale about uh, a father who likes to tell lots of stories, the son who doesn't believe him. I mean, Albert Finney was so mm. great in this movie, Jessica Lange as his wife. It's so magical. And the scene that really sticks out for me, and this could have easily been my right stuff too, in addition to the end of the film, is, you know, Albert Finney's character is dying and he's in a bathtub and uh, he's like underwater and Jessica Lyon goes in and she's like, what are you doing? He says, I was drying out and and she gets in the bathtub with him and mm. hugs him because she realizes that she doesn't have a lot of time left with him. Aww. It's such a poignant moment. But it's it's a it's a really moving film. And actually I've reviewed I've, I've reviewed uh, Big Fish when it came out in 19, 2003. I said it would take an expert storyteller to make a movie about an expert storyteller. As a result, the film is vintage Burton, filled to the rim with offbeat characters, quirky humor, magical whimsy. Even though it can be uneven at times with a tear-jerking climax that lays it on pretty thick, it still walks the fine line between being an enchanting fairy tale and a contemporary drama about family, estrangement, and reconciliation. Aww. Who the hell wrote this some guy some guy the There's thing no that i like I about that. you mance is is that you always stand by your reviews even years later years later yes you have the opinion i and have an stick opinion i stick to it i like it Thanks, i like it Lish. a lot appreciate it well nicholas maglieri hopefully i said that right also <laughs> likes big fish said big fish like many of tim burton's other films transcends a single single genre and while it could generally be considered a fantasy film it has elements from other genres including horror crime comedy and tragedy it is an emotional roller coaster. I love that. With <laughs> amazing, larger than life characters. The ending of this movie is one of the most heartfelt endings in any movie. Everybody should watch it if they haven't seen it. Well, James Ryan says this about Sweeney Todd. Ah, Sweeney Todd. There are so many great Tim Burton pictures, but my favorite would have to be Sweeney Todd. It's one of the more forgotten pictures. I think it stands head-to-head with movies like Ed Wood, Beetlejuice, and Batman. Sweeney Todd was a film that was such a dark change of pace for the director. Yes, it has his signature look and his usual dark tone, but for Burton to handle a musical so effectively is one of the major achievements of his career. Knowing so little about Sweeney Todd before seeing it gave me one of my favorite themes experiences of all time mm. when the credits rolled I sat in shock after having witnessed one of the most powerful film endings I've ever seen that's great I love hearing all these comments of films that we might not necessarily think about or might not get to include in our Fast Five absolutely it doesn't mean that they're terrible films and it doesn't mean that someone out there doesn't love them as their Fast Five their well, personal look Fast at five. our friend Steve Zissou 
Yeah. Justin Bass. He says Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Oh, there you go. Was my first blood. It, I, my too. Uh, I watched it in the theater. Me too. Uh, <laughs> all I wanted after watching the film was a pack of pack of Trick Ink gum. Just I will watch trust it. Me. Okay. I don't know. I know you are, but what am I? <laughs> if I had a dollar for every time I did the Pee Wee Herman tequila dance, oh my God, Steve, I did too. <laughs> I would be a rich man. The first time I watched it as an adult, I laughed my butt off. Is it? It is a timeless film with heart and humor. Would you like a stick of gum, Alicia or Scott? Just see the movie. I You'll will see it. About. I will see it. <laughs> now, Hector Mendoza on the live chat says, I've become a Profiles cult follower. First time joining the live show. Yes, way to go. Thank you so much for joining. Now we have to talk about the latest film by Tim Burton as one of our others. From Big Fish to Big Big Eyes. Eyes. This is a true story about Walter and Margaret Keane, an artist couple. Well, Walter claimed he was the artist. uh, Margaret Keane was actually the one doing those crazy Big Eyes paintings, which went everywhere. They were super popular, but Walter claimed ownership. Here's the thing about Big Eyes. I like Big Eyes a lot, and I really do feel like it, it, it's his strongest and, and most resonant film since Big Fish or even Ed Wood. The dynamic between Walter and Margaret, mm-hmm. about the, why she stayed in the situation for so long. And again, screenwriters Larry Karaszewski and Scott Alexander, who did Ed Wood, they're obviously very adept at building character. Mm. But the, the style of the movie, while the cinematography was great and the colors... It didn't feel like a typical Tim Burton film. It didn't. There's and that's the, what I liked about it. There's the opening shot, which it opens. It's not giving anything away, but it opens in suburbia. And that was like, that is Burton. Then the rest of it, yeah, it doesn't feel like Burton. But I think he wanted to do something different and wanted to do something with a, a lower budget. And he said... He said that he wanted to do a film that, you know, maybe McDonald's and, and KFC and all these other big brands wouldn't chime in to have merchandise to. Just something something that's all about the story. And just that's that's a great a great seg <laughs> to our moment of truth on this episode of Profiles. Yeah, where well, we got to sit down with the man himself, Tim Burton, to talk all about big eyes and also about his career. So here is the conversation. Tim Burton. Tim Burton, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us nice about talk. Profiles. Our profile this week is a celebration of your career. Oh, wow. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, if I died or something? No! <laughs> <laughs> really yeah. Well, I know that originally Larry Karasuski and Scott Alexander wanted to direct Big Eyes. Yeah. So how did you come to direct it? I stole it from him. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you know, obviously I worked with Scott and Larry uh, many years ago on Ed Wood, and so I knew their work very well, knew them very well. And it was interesting because <clears throat> I didn't know that they were writing a script on, on, on this story. And I, you know, had my own interest growing up with the artwork, surrounded by it in, my, in Burbank. And... Uh, so I had that connection, and then many years later, about mid nineteen nineties, I, I uh, uh, a friend of mine told me the story about Keynes, and uh, you know, I like everybody else thought Walter was the artist and yeah. got really interested in it. Then met met her, went to San Francisco and commissioned a painting from her, and then met her, and uh, and then a couple of years later, I learned that Scott and Larry had written a, a script based on, on it. So uh, I knew right away it was right. Uh, it's right up their street. They excel at this kind of thing. So. Well, after doing sort of larger scale productions like Alice in Wonderland, like Dark Shadows, how great was it? How liberating was it for you as an artist to to scale back and just focus on character like you did with Big yeah. Fish and Ed Wood? Yeah, well, it was great. You know, I, I mean, you know, the, it was it, it, you know it was low budget, but it was it was fun. Smaller crew. I mean, it just it, luckily I had great actors. I mean, every actor that I worked with was somebody I had never worked with but admired, and mm. so I was very very. Um, lucky to to work and meet, meet new people and give it a different energy you know and, and you know moving around quickly trying to make Vancouver look like San Francisco <laughs> and things like that you know it's it quite challenging but, but but very much fun and, and again I had such a my own personal connection to this story so it meant a lot to me yeah did it feel like a, a personal story for you because you mentioned you grew up with this artwork yeah yeah and, I, and uh, also I understand that that sort of dynamic you know the, the question of what's good and what's bad or what's art or what's not, and mm. you know, because I've experienced that myself in terms of people's the polarization of opinion. I mean, I remember, you know, as a child, you know, people either loved the Keynes work or hated it. You know, I mean, there was no in between in, in terms of the response to it. 
So uh, that's something that I could relate to. And, and also just the, the, the Margaret's character, the, her shyness, her, her not being able to communicate, you know, only through her work and all was something I could relate to. And, you know, Walter's sort of manic, depressive mood swings. And I could, under, you know, so <laughs> I, I understood all the characters, you know. Well, the, the, uh, the, the movie sort of d- does take you back, especially because of Scott and Larry. How did this sort of compare to Making Edward, which is also based on a real-life character? Yeah, well, they're good, they're good at finding these sort of truth or stranger-than-fiction characters, you know, the re- real, real stories. And, uh, and also, both the similarity between Edward and, and, and Keene is in the sense that, that, that you know, obviously they're people sort of outside the mainstream of society yeah. on one level. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, their work is, you know, decisively, you know, people are very opinionated about is, whether things are good or bad. And, uh, you know, so, so they, they know how to really mine these characters. And this year is actually the 25th anniversary of Batman. Mm. So I wondering if you could share some of your favorite memories well, from making that. Well, I just remember being ill the whole time. <laughs> but it was it really, it was it, it felt new at the time, which felt exciting, you know. I, I mean, it was, even though it was sort of, you know, sometimes criticized for being too dark or whatever, uh, it, it just felt exciting and new at the time, you know. And, uh, uh, you know, working with Michael, who had worked with on Beetlejuice, and then him doing sort of, the, the, you know, the opposite kind of thing, the restrained, uh, you know, being Batman and obviously Jack Nicholson and it was such a, a great help, you know, a supporter of me at, at that time because I hadn't really done a big movie. So I, I was very, very, felt very lucky and excited to be to be doing it at that time. Mm-hmm. And last question, you know, bringing it back to, to big eyes, how great working with Golden Globe nominees Amy Adams and Christoph yeah. Waltz on yeah. this film. No, I mean, they're, they're both, you know, the characters are obviously so different and yet they, they work together so well. And, and like I said, for me, this was a, you know, since I'm not really a social person, it was a great way to meet people, you know, that I admire and want to work with, you know. And so, you know, the whole cast was that way. Each and every one of them was somebody that I'd seen and admired them as people or their work. And uh, so, uh, again, that just made it a real special experience. Well, this was a really special yes. experience. Thank you so much for joining us great. on Profile. Thank you, guys. Thank very you. Much. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Yay! Yes, all right. We were so excited to talk to him, and he was so nice. He was so nice. He was a lot livelier than I expected him to yeah, be. Really animated, very really animated, fun, like very his movies. Funny. Yeah, and I love that Rachel Cushing just said it's amazing that these directors are excited about this show, and it's nice to let them know how much we love their films. And we definitely do that. We pass that on when we when we talk to them. And it's amazing how many directors want to talk to us about definitely. this show for the show. Yeah, like Quentin Tarantino wanted to talk to us, but he was yeah, filming on location. Yeah, comments about that. He couldn't, but he said like best wishes like it's it blows my mind and when we were when, when i was trying to find a guest for for the ridley scott show mm-hmm. i reached out to harris ford and his <laughs> yeah. publicist was like she he was going to do it but i had also reached out to ridley scott and ridley scott said yes so harrison ford was checked in with ridley scott it's like well it's your show you, you do it so harrison ford said no you do it ridley scott that blows my mind so harrison ford said yes he said yes. And he just wanted to check with Ridley Scott to make sure that Ridley it was, was okay, okay with, with him. him talking about Blade Runner. Right. And then he called up Ridley and Ridley said, oh, I'm doing that show. Yep. And Harrison was like, oh, sorry. That's I didn't realize yeah. you go ahead. And That's we're like, why we, we got wanted Ridley both Scott. of you. But still, <laughs> yeah. that is cool. That the is still cool, yes. getting out the about getting out about profiles. So make sure you get the word out too. Go to our Facebook t- page, Profiles of Malone and Mance. Give it a like. Share it. Bring us over 2,000. Go to our Facebook page. <laughs> like it. Let's get over 2,000 profilers. Yes. Make sure you subscribe to iTunes. See what it's up to now. See what it's up to while we are on the line. And because we love doing this, you know, Alicia and I have very, very busy day jobs. Mm-hmm. This is our labor of love. 1971 likes at the moment. Okay, Enjoy almost it. there. Less yeah. than 20. We're 29 away. But this is something that we love to do. We make the time for it. And we put a lot into this, our hearts, our souls, because oh, yeah. we love movies. And we <laughs> Many love, hours. You know, we, but it's something we just love to it's do. It's so much fun. I mean, this is the dream gig for this, any film 
film geek totally. and it's a show that that we all created here at popcorn talk network and we love doing it so it we just need to keep keep the ratings going keep sharing the youtube videos keep uh, everything happening so that we can show all our guests look everyone's loving our show and then hopefully we can get bigger and bigger and bigger guests and people people chime in all the time with, with suggestions, which is mm, I great. Love I love someone suggested the Coen Brothers. A lot of people have been suggesting that we do composers like yes, John Williams. Yes, we will definitely do that. Yes, we will definitely, on definitely list, do it. It's on our list. We haven't finished with Tim Burton just yet. No, we haven't. We're a Fast Five number one. Which is? Which is? He also created a man. He gave him a heart, a brain, everything. Well, almost everything. Edward right here, Edward Scissorhands. Yeah, Alicia yeah. is brandishing the Edward Scissorhands bling from as we topic, speak from Hot Topic, sleeves. Hollywood and Highland in Hollywood. Yeah, so I paid for it. Though. This movie, <laughs> yes, was was released on December seventh, nineteen ninety. Cost twenty million to make. Uh, made more than eighty six million dollars worldwide. And without question, this is Tim Burton's most personal film because Edward Scissorhands. The character was for the misfit, for the outcast in all of us, mm. and this was a character that Burton related to, especially when he was growing up. I love the juxtaposition between suburbia and gothic horror. It's a fairy tale at the same time. It's really strange, but it's so sweet also. Uh, it was huge success critically and also commercially. And I feel like this is the reason why Burton is so special, to be able to pull off a movie like this about a, a guy with scissors for hands and, and have it be really sweet and touching and talk a lot about the dangers of conformity and how your differences make you special and magical rather than just weird and a freak. Everything we talked about at the top of the show with regards to Tim Burton's movies being dark and gothic and kind of morbid, but also sweet and playful and mm. funny and just gorgeous to look at. Great story. Great too. stories. Everything, everybody was at the top of their game with this movie. Tim Burton, Johnny Depp, working for the first out of eight times with Tim Burton. <laughs> yeah. Colin Atwood, the costume designer. Danny Elfman, his score, which he said was one of his favorites as well. It's beautiful. I mean, this and because of movies like, like Frank and Weenie, his short, and of course he directed the, the full feature as well. But this was a film that was loosely inspired by Frankenstein. Mm, yeah, so you can see that. You can see the, the, the inspiration there. The creation that's not quite finished. Well, do you know, just because of the, the way Edward Scissorhands looked, yeah. that who, who was originally considered to play the part of Edward Scissorhands? There were a few people. Who? I well, think I you know Edward one of them. Has, Edward has kind of Tim Burton hair. He does have Tim Burton hair. Also, Robert Smith from The Cure. Yeah, looks a little like The Cure. But uh, I think you mentioned Tom Cruise. Yes, yeah. Tom Cruise, actually, they got pretty far into production with Tom Cruise, apparently. But he dropped out when Tim Burton didn't want to butch Edward Scissorhands up. So he didn't want to make masculine. him more of a man, more right. masculine. He wanted him to be this weird, weird guy. Wow. Yeah. yeah, so he went off into Days of Thunder instead. Yes, which was very manly. Year. Very manly. <laughs> but also considered for the part were Jim Carrey. Oh, yeah. Robert Downey Jr. I could see that. And a character, a name that you mentioned before in our quiz show, Michael, Michael Jackson. Jackson. He wouldn't need any makeup. Yeah, he would have walked in and been like, uh, okay, let's go. Let's, good. let's roll it. I think he had the outfit as well. I also love seeing Anthony Michael Hall in, in the film. You know, he played the nerd in a lot of the John Hughes movies. And here he's, he's the, the bully. bully. Wow. He flipped around. He totally flipped it and around. And Diane Weist, so sweet. Oh, she's really sweet. And then Winona Ryder as a blonde and, and, and Renona, I was going to say Wino forever. Renona <laughs> Ryder and Johnny Depp together. The chemistry. And, and Kathy both, Baker. Very sexy role for Kathy Baker. I've never <laughs> seen her yeah. try to, you know, play the, right. you know, the, 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 the like sexy MILF, the MILF kind of cougar. Totally. Yep, the cougar. Yeah. Uh, but this movie, I was actually curious because of the neighborhood. Uh, was it a set or was this a real neighborhood? It was actually a real neighborhood outside Tampa, Florida. Wow. I mean, they painted the houses. Yeah, the, those 50s kind of suburban candy-colored houses, which are quite surreal. It, but the way the movie looks at suburbia yep. and, and conformity, or lack of it, rather. But it's a movie that the ending is just so, so so moving mm -hmm. you know like i i hadn't seen the movie since it came out it's been 25 years mm. and i just forgot how effective the end of that movie was i was trying to think would they be able to 
would they have done that ending like that if they had filmed it today? Yeah, well, would test audiences have said, nah, no, we want a happier ending. ending forever. Give us a happier ending. Yeah. Well, uh, Rachel Cushing, our regular profiler, who was a great writer and an awesome film critic, she says, Tim Burton is quite simply weird, but his most memorable movies mix a little emotion in with that weirdness, and the best of these is definitely Edward Scissorhands. Mm -hmm. This film is both a fairy tale and a cautionary gothic story, and the only Tim Burton, and only Tim Burton can mix those two tones in such an artistic and effortless way. I believe this is Johnny Depp's best collaboration with Burton as a created and indelible character that everyone recognizes and relates to as well. Edward is every outsider, every persecuted kid, every misunderstood artist and so his story will always resonate with viewers. Matthew Adams says, I used to have a huge crush on Winona Ryder because of Edward Scissorhands. Who am I kidding? I still have a huge crush on Winona Ryder. Rachel Cushing says it is definitely her number one. Red Terror 66 says, if anyone hasn't seen Tim Burton's short film, Vincent, they should look it up on YouTube after profiles. And uh, I saw a funny one from Robbie Reed. If you haven't, you should all watch Edward Penis Hands. It will change your life forever. Oh, that's the porn movie. I remember that. I worked at uh, a video show shop in sydney australia and that was that was one of the uh movies was it, a, uh, was it one of the top rented movies? well i i had to rent it obviously to see what it was like and it scarred me for life wow ever penis hands <laughs> not our number one <laughs> not our number one ever sister hands is our number one yes well let's recap our fast five before coming, we go yes coming in at number five is mars, mars attacks. attacks number four batman, batman. number three beetlejuice. beetlejuice number two ed, ed wood. wood and number one Edward Scissorhands. We had to. And what a great episode. So great to talk to Tim Burton. I'm so glad that he made time for us. That, that was day. really, really special. Really special. Great way to end 2014 with that interview. And then start, start 2015, 2015 with our with a great, great show. Yes. So who do we have next week? Ooh, let's listen, shall we? Royal had lived in the Lindbergh Palace Hotel for 22 years. Wes Anderson. Wes Anderson. That was... I know I'm a huge fan of. Yes. So I look forward to making you rewatch all his movies and telling you exactly why I love him. I'm looking forward to it. Wes Anderson is a filmmaker who I've admired, and I'm looking forward to liking him a whole lot more when we do our profiles on Wes Anderson next time. Make sure you go to our Facebook page, <laughs> yes. like it, make sure you subscribe <laughs> to our podcast on iTunes, and make sure you subscribe to our videos on YouTube. Please spread the word about profiles. We're very, very grateful for your support. Until next time, bye! From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, Christian Harloff, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of its owners or principals.